It's the Kyle Hyman Show on Redeemer Radio. Like this little bit of uncertainty that I have could be a gift back to God in trust. Mm. Like I feel called to this life, but I don't know 100% for sure. But I could say yes. And mm. this great, beautiful gift he's given me as my vocation, I could give a little gift back as my trust to him. Mm-hmm. I really like that idea. It's time for Morning Jolt with Sister Ignatia Henneberry from the Sisters of St. Francis of Perpetual Adoration. Wake up! Welcome back to Morning Jolt with Sister Ignatia Henneberry and the sisters. <laughs> what? I thought they were my friends. Well, I, I mean, they're my sisters too, but... <laughs> our names have changed each time. Uh, the Your cat size. pajamas. Uh, yeah. The sisters. I like that. <laughs> and the other sisters. Sister Ignatia <laughs> and friends. With, with the white veil. <laughs> the other sisters. Yeah, you do have white veils we versus do. Sister Ignatia's black veil. Do you feel... Inferior, is there like any hazing that happens Whoa. at the convent? I guess Whoa. ask them. Have you been <laughs> hazed? Uh, no. <laughs> no. 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 My neck is pretty stiff, but that's my own fault because I haven't worn a veil my whole life. So <laughs> I forget my neck can move all. Yeah. Without so, the veil falling without off. Without the veil falling off. So I do neck exercises. Yeah. All the time. <laughs> that's <is> personal. That's <laughs> a personal problem. So the sisters that are joining us are. Sister Emmanuel and Sister oh, wow. Chiara Luce. Perfect. <laughs> Got it. Good job. First yeah. try. Nailed it. First try. <laughs> You're going to make a good teacher. Yeah. <laughs> Very encouraging. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> so the two of you both made vows recently. Mm. And. No. Well, no. No. What? Not yet. Huh? We're learning about vows. So we just got invested, oh. but we don't make vows for another two years. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there like sub vowels, like kind of temporary? Okay, yeah, yeah. that's when we switch mm-hmm. from white to black. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this idea, I guess, there's a potential then that you could discern out, or is that not likely? Correct. Okay. So as you prepare to make final vows, <laughs> which are still <laughs> seven years away, seven years. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> They're preparing. We're always preparing for that. But your face just dropped. Oh, you didn't. Yeah, yeah. Man, it's a I, process. I feel so. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, so behind on all this. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, 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 no. It's, I'm I'm ignorant about a lot of things. This, this is the trend. This is, this is the norm. Okay, so in two years you make first vows. First vows in seven years. Final vows. Final vows. Mm-hmm. So. I thought something we could talk about is this idea of making a lifelong commitment and when are we ready to make a lifelong commitment? I mean, you see people getting married in high school or waiting until they're 60 to get married. At what point do we say this person is mature enough to make a lifelong decision that you can never reverse? (laughs) Wow. <laughs> Did you I mean, guys feel that way when you <laughs> when you entered? Well, I knew there would be seven, eight years, <laughs> eight years until the final no reversible, whatever, no, right. going back. So I didn't quite feel that pressure entering, but it is a big step and a big commitment to enter the convent. So uh, when I entered, I don't know, there wasn't a hundred percent like, this is what God wants for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. But uh, 
overwhelming. What percent would you say? Ooh, um, 63.2. No, okay. I'm just kidding. I don't know. Um, <laughs> overwhelming sense of peace. Okay. Uh, that I think the next year God wants me to live at the convent uh-huh. and discern more. And I can give you a year and then we can talk about it again throughout sure. the year. So that's how I felt. People do Peace Corps for a couple of years. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like the Peace Corps. Yeah. <laughs> Pray for people. <laughs> Monsignor Heinz said it really well. One time he said... He was doing a discernment retreat here when I was a layperson. And he said, yeah, people are discerning, you know, big decisions. And a lot of times people, especially my age, are waiting for a beatific vision. Right. They're like, God is going to just come out and say, you, you are meant to do this. Yeah. And often we find that he speaks through the stillness. He speaks through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He speaks through peace, through joy, mm-hmm. through the small things. And so it's just making the little decisions and the next steps and then trusting that he is leading you. So did I feel 101% that this is it? No, but I trust that this is what the Lord wants me to do right now. Uh-huh. Uh, and whatever he has planned, I'll follow that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So as the vocations director, Sister Ignatia, mm-hmm. at what point would you say oh, this person is is too young to make that kind of a decision? Um, I don't. I guess I guess things are a little bit different since yeah. there is a s- seven year process or eight. Eight from, from the day you enter the convent until final vows, eight years. Yeah, so that's so much different than marriage, which is I, I don't know what the average would be. If I had to guess, maybe like eight months of an engagement. An engagement. Or- Let's hope, yeah. <laughs> An average? Well, yeah. I mean, there's some people that have like two-year engagements. Um, <laughs> it's, you say it's ridiculous, yeah. but compared to an eight-year... Different. In some ways, it does seem crazy, different. but in some ways, I feel like we have such little formation for marriage that it takes seven years to say you're ready to become a priest, but... Six months to say you're ready to get married and have kids. Um, well, the factors involved with getting married are slightly different. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I do think some people, they don't, are not accompanied the same way. I think in discerning religious right. vocation, you're accompanied the whole way and it's not just you. So in marriage, it's often you and this other person and sometimes maybe in a vacuum and sometimes maybe not with mature um, examples around you. So mm-hmm. I do think that is a poverty yeah. In a sense. Yeah. So um part of the problem. Right. Yeah. I wouldn't say that people are having two year engagements because they're trying to be mature about it. I think they have two year engagements because they want to do what they want to do. Right. So I'm not judging every single person that's ever had a two year <laughs> engagement, but look within yourselves and decide that whether or not that was selfish or not, that's up to you. But that's fine. Anyway. <laughs> but moving on. <laughs> like But age as far as age goes, like even even if they're not vowing to another person, usually a serious life commitment happens around the same age. It's like still in the early 20s. Like that might be cohabitating, but your heart is still desiring that that next step. So it's maybe a disordered or a, right. a twisted version of a commitment, but yeah. you're, you're acting out on that desire. Right. Like you're made for that. Okay. Um, but as far as like the age of how, when you can respond as a vocation director talking to people, like I don't necessarily have like this 
age like number in my mind of like okay if you're younger than this then like no way Mm -hmm. um it's more so the signs of maturity a sign of um what is a sign of maturity um a sign that like a spiritual maturity that like you've maybe dealt with some of the hard issues like with jesus in prayer like if okay yeah you have difficulties and then maybe i ask like well what did you know jesus say about that or like and the answer is like well, I didn't like talk to him about it. I'm like, well, okay, then maybe that you should do that. Um, do you or, see behavior as being a sign of maturity or lack yes. of? Yeah, because first we're like adult women. So if a young woman is still maybe relying on mom and dad for way too much mm-hmm. or um, yeah, not setting appropriate boundaries for her relationships and her family, maybe, yeah, still living at home past a reasonable age seeking out like to support yourself yeah so maybe making like pretty average just like adult decisions like Mm -hmm. you know that's a sign that because yeah we don't come to the comment because i can't take care of myself like that's not what i should why i came here (laughs) Um, right um so we should all be capable of that so um if i see someone who's not capable of that yeah maybe not socially mature we're supposed to be experts in communion and if this person lacks maturity to be able to establish good healthy relationships then life is going to be really really hard yeah so i want that person that young woman to like have the best shot Mm. at being completely free and completely happy and um, alive when she shows up (laughs) yeah rather than yeah struggling through it it seems like i'm sure there's studies on this that we're maturing later Mm -hmm. these days than in the past And, and don't they think that Mary was like 12, 13, 14? Something, or something around there, yeah. And so you take that kind of extreme of 2,000 years ago, what was a mature age, and then, but even like 100 years ago, or even f- maybe 50 years ago, mm-hmm. when it was so common to do like like seminary high schools and yeah. stuff like that, like people were making very, and some of that might have been a problem. Right. You yeah. know, that women entering the convent at, at a young age, maybe you got a lot more sisters that way, but maybe that wasn't their calling and they weren't right. mature enough to make that decision. But maybe people were just maturing younger and, and were able to do that. What do you think causes the delayed maturing? Is, is that a problem? Mm-hmm. Or is it a good thing that we're not rushing mm-hmm. into some of these things? I mean, part of it, it might be education that yeah. we're just going to school longer than they were a hundred years ago. Part of it. I think there's, yeah, a lot of factors that, um, yeah, why someone's maybe maturing later. Even like, I mean, I entered 10 years ago and I see, and I was a a sophomore in college and I've seen, I've worked with freshmen through seniors like the last four years and I see a big difference Hmm. um, like 10 years ago. So the factors, I feel like, yeah, it's good, like in the sense good that maybe we were waiting to make some of those decisions because young people right now have gone through way more stuff than a young person did 50 years ago. Hmm. Way more social pressures, family issues, anomalies. Not to say that some families 50 years ago were, weren't also kind of messed up, but right. I think now we're like, we care about that. Like we, you know, like, okay, like um, this relationship between your mom and dad really affected you. Like mm-hmm. we need to pay attention to that. 
you deserve to find healing. Like let's focus on that first before um, you just like, yeah, keep it all bottled inside and, you know, just like walk through life limping or something. Um, I think as a church, we're like becoming more awake to that. So yeah, we want people to flourish. We just don't want them to get by and, you know, go into a life of service just because (laughs) we need them to or something. That's not... Like it was a fallback option. Like, yeah. none of my plans are working out, so I guess I'll do this. <laughs> and I would tell you, okay, well, go home. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> so, Sister Manuel, any ideas on what might be contributing to delayed maturity or some symptoms of that? Hmm. I remember in nursing school, we were reading studies and emotional intelligence just keeps decreasing in society today, whereas like academic intellectual, I mean, we are on the rise. So our professor was really emphasizing as healthcare providers, you need to be emotionally intelligent. You have to understand and heal your own emotions. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, in order to really take care of people. I think you hit it well that, yeah, it is your own healing interiorly, understanding, self-awareness. And that's uh, novitiate is just a great job at that. The Lord is taking you to parts of your heart where, okay, let's focus on this. Let's And I mean, he does it all through our lives. It's all a continual healing process to wholeness and holiness. But yeah, I think emotional intelligence, that's a big one because it's, I noticed the huge difference. I mean, Sister Caroluce and I were talking one day and we both noticed it that you don't even realize how distracted you are, how much you're frustrated, but you just zone in on your phone and try to brush away why you were so angry or whatever it was. And then you enter the convent and you don't have any of that to distract you and you take your emotions and you're like, okay, Jesus, Hmm. I was angry because she cut me in line and you name it. And yeah. And so always. yeah, (laughs) And so a lot of people, yeah, education, they just don't have that. And yeah, I think the relationships you see around you, God can work through anything. He can work through broken relationships. Mm -hmm. He can do anything. He's all powerful, but (laughs) Awesome. Uh, it is hard. Yeah, it is a poverty, like you were saying. So so how do we know if we're ready to make a lifelong decision? How does one know? Like, I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with is, first of all, what is God calling me to? And is now the time to make that decision? And maybe we just keep putting it off, putting it off, whether it be marriage, whether it be the religious life, whether it be going into the seminary. Yeah, we have to ask ourselves why we're putting it off, uh-huh. <laughs> probably, um, like what fear is going on there. Cause, but when I'm yeah discerning with helping a young woman like discern, which, okay, add it for a few months. But <laughs> the key, Sister Lois is always like the key questions like, yeah, is this call from God? Mm-hmm. And then where? And then when? So all of those three mm. things are different questions to ask and to pray about. So the when, at least for me, it was like, waiting didn't make sense anymore. It wasn't, yeah, I was like in school, didn't want to finish my major. I was literally feeling pulled away from everything that I liked beforehand. (laughs) So it wasn't- To to go into the convent was pulling you away from the things 
that you liked. Yeah. Okay. N- and not that like those were bad things. It was just like my heart wasn't in it anymore. It uh-huh. was being drawn elsewhere. Um, so I think, yeah, when it's like, okay, yeah, is the maturity there to, to make this decision? And then we can know the Holy Spirit. So I think like we're not just totally like shooting in the dark. Like, well, I guess like I'll do this now. Now? Okay. Um, like the Holy Spirit can confirm that. Like if you're making steps toward, there's a uh, an application process. So like with each step, if like the Holy Spirit's like drawing you through that process with his peace and with his um, confidence, then yeah, you don't have to be afraid. With that Holy Spirit, I feel like that gets back to what you were saying, Sister Manuel, about peace and joy, like these fruits of the Holy Spirit that kind of manifest themselves and not necessarily a voice of the Holy Spirit that confirms. I mean, you can have like thoughts come in your heart from outside of you or, like mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah, the first time I thought like, oh, I could like enter right now. Like, yes, that was my own interior voice, but that didn't come from me either do you feel like there's a like a selfish versus selfless dimension to it sometimes i feel like with discernment do i feel called to this for selfish reasons i want to take this job because it's going to make more money so that i can have more things versus i'm going to take this job so i can make more money so that i can provide for my family like selfless versus selfish and I feel like sometimes we might make these decisions for selfish reasons. And if God's really calling us to something, it's, it's always going to be for a selfless reason. That's, uh, a, that's a theory of mine. I would agree with that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because if somebody is discerning religious life and they're motivated because they see a lot of problems in the church, you know, and <laughs> there's a lot of reform that needs to be done. And I really feel the Holy Spirit's like, you know, really calling me to rise up. <laughs> And fix everything. <laughs> fix everything. I'm like, oh, okay. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, more, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that. Like, um, yeah, because we can't, like, there's one savior and yeah, mm. so let's not pretend like I'm him. <laughs> yeah. Anything that parents can do to help their children grow in maturity? Or to help them with discernment, which I feel like might in a little bit go hand in hand. I think, yeah, maturity. Um, I mean, a few years ago, I learned the term helicopter parents. Uh huh. It's a real thing. It's really <laughs> frustrating. <laughs> Do you deal with that as vocations director? A little bit. Like I've heard, I just talked to a young woman yesterday and she said, um, I was like, well, how are your parents like, you know, dealing with that? And she was like, well, my mom had all of these ideas about what I was supposed to do and this is not it. Uh (laughs) I'm like, "Mm, yeah, like as someone becomes an adult, like they have a real relationship with Jesus Mm -hmm. and it's not as if Jesus is then like giving the parents like side notes of like, well, I told her to do this. So like, like the whole point is, yeah, you want your child to be free and know what's the Lord's voice sounds like. Um, and you should trust that. Like, so I think, yeah, letting your child like actually have a real process of discernment, you know, and it's going to be a struggle too. So yeah, you'll watch them not know what they're doing. You'll watch them being a little unsure, being afraid maybe, but you can still be there to encourage them and assure them that like you trust them, like, you know, the Lord, like 
he's not going to abandon them. Yeah, trust, I think, is big. I mean, no matter what I would have chosen or whatever the Lord was going to call me, it was not going to be to live with my parents the rest of my life. Uh, uh, but <laughs> You had discerned that early yeah, on. <laughs> yeah. At the age of 10. No, I'm <laughs> I am getting out of this place. Uh, I love my parents. (laughs) Um, For parents, yeah, to realize that at some point your kids become adults and Mm -hmm. there's a separation that happens and that's painful. Um, But to trust that the Lord has good plan for both of you Mm -hmm. uh, in the vocation he's calling your kid to or child, not child, adult. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think back to my parents. They're very supportive Uh, thankfully, but I can see like it's been hard for them, the struggles to let go, um, Mm. to trust that the Lord is truly leading me on this path Mm -hmm. um, and to trust that he's also with them through the sufferings. But as I see them, I think, let go of kind of what they thought life was going to be like, this letting go opens up spaces for joy. Mm. um, And spaces for other sisters like who knew they'd have a hundred daughters and some of them would be 88 like like, um yeah to see them really get to know the sisters has been really beautiful and i think honesty too in a healthy relationship not that you have to tell your son or daughter everything that's distressing you about their discernment but it's okay for you to tell me that this is hard for you Um, Mm. i care about you and I'd like to be honest and open with you through this whole process uh, because I think that would bring us closer together too. Um, I think that'd be helpful Mm -hmm. on both sides. Mm -hmm. So, but not pressure. Yeah, pressure to decide one thing or another. I think so. Probably. Yeah, and I'd be like, well, you know, it'd be really nice for us if you didn't choose the convent because then you could move back to San Antonio or (laughs) uh, we could be neighbors. I'd be like, no, that's not healthy. (laughs) They didn't say that, just but. Yeah, no pressure and to know that you're supportive. Yeah. I think that should start at a young age. Yeah, like growing up, knowing that my parents want me to do what the Lord wants. Right. Um, and a healthy supportiveness of any vocation. That's something that we pray about a lot as a family is for the kids to respond to God's call, whatever that might be, and and hope that they're open to whatever it is. But... Maybe the earlier we instill that in them, that that's, that's the way to do it, is to pray about it and, right. and be open. Maybe the sooner they can accept it when they are receiving that call. Yeah, and it's an, an exciting thing. It's not like a, some demand is going to come down from on high and you have to be like ready to do it or something. Like, <laughs> right. It's actually a good, exciting, joyful thing. So some might say... Are we ever really ready to make a lifelong decision? Is that something that we can have that assurity for? Or to be like, yes, I am, I am ready to make final vows. I am ready to get married to this person. Or is it we got to kind of jump, <laughs> jump into the bus when it's running and like figure out how to, how to steer it once we get on or something? Uh, I think a combination yeah, when I was approaching final vows, like I knew that was what I was made for and what the Lord was calling me to. That doesn't discount faith, though. Faith was part of it. But then also comes like once you've like made those vows and your marriage and those vows to the other person, then there is a legitimate daily decision. Like that's what it means to be fully alive is to say, 
I've made this decision out of love Mm -hmm. and yeah, I've forsaken all others and you're made for that. Like that's heroic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's virtuous. That's love. Um, so yeah, you can live your life in a, a little limbo in, in between and like have all your options open or something, but then you never make a decision. Right. Um, yeah. I don't know if anyone else has a thought. Yeah. I think, um, in college when I was discerning, I, was just waiting to know for sure. Uh-huh. So that's kind of nice because then you're just waiting forever. Um, <laughs> and then you push off the decision. And uh, talking to a sister, I was like, well, you know, yeah. Waiting till I know for sure. And they said something. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just really beautiful. Like this little bit of uncertainty that I have could be a gift back to God in mm. trust. Like I feel called to this life, but I don't know 100% sure, for sure. Um but I could say yes. And mm-hmm. this great, beautiful gift he's given me as my vocation, I could give a little gift back as my trust to him. Mm-hmm. I really like that idea because I could give something back. Yeah. It, it, in a way, it seems like faith. Like yeah. we don't have 100% certainty about things, Anything. but we have faith yeah, in it. Faith that he's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you're actually listening to the Lord, with all your heart, like open. Okay, I know this could be painful at times or this could be hard. Yeah, when you listen and then you decide, yes, I'm going to do this, give that back to him, he does confirm it. And you can, and in discernment too, this is what I would do, but you can ask for confirmation from the Father. Like, okay, I feel this way. Can you help me out? Because, I mean, you won't 100% know, but he can actually give you peace if you feel anxious about something and you ask okay if this is the right decision then please give me peace about Mm -hmm. it and you can do it so (laughs) yeah i think asking for that and being bold in the asking Mm -hmm. um and then knowing too in your heart that what whatever you give him the more you give him uh he really does give you 100 fold back i mean he wants every good for you um so yeah all right. I feel like this has been very insightful. Also, like some good advice for people that might be struggling with some of this. So thank you for enlightening me and our listeners. Thank You're you. You're most welcome. Thank it's, you. It's been a lot of fun. He's good. If you'd like to find a guest or topic that we've covered, go to kylehyman.com and use the search bar. It's free. And until next time, remember to leave room for the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm.